So, um, if that was you this morning, who in your heart you gave your life to Jesus, um, you may not know it yet, but you've just become part of a family. And, um, and, and this is part of God's family. And, um, you know, Jesus, he, he, he didn't come to try, try and create a workforce. He came to restore a family. And as we go through 1 Corinthians 12, really the heart of it is that God wants you to be part of his family. And it's an amazing privilege. And, and we see it right at the beginning in Genesis, how God actually, in the context of family, um, created something that was extremely beautiful. But let's just go through um, and read um, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, I'm actually going to speak from the message. So you might want to just um, listen. I've got it up on the screen here. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how you were when you didn't know God, led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everybody else did it. It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your heads, you know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus be damned, nor would anyone be inclined to say, Jesus is master, without the insight of the Holy Spirit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. You can easily... Um, enough, uh, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works out by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But when we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything, this is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptised. Each of us is now a part of his resurrected body, refreshed and sustained at one fount in his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Gentile or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger more comprehensive. I want you to think about all this 
makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single blown up part into some huge thing. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If, if all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this, how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of who you are part of. An enormous eye or gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower parts, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you're concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honour just as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You're familiar familiar with some parts that God has formed in his church, which is his body. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, healers, helpers, organisers, those who pray in tongues. But it's obvious now, isn't it, that Christ's church is a complete body, not a gigantic, unidimensional part. It's not all apostle, not all prophet, not all miracle worker, not all healer, not all prayer in tongues, not all interpreter of tongues. And yet some of you keep competing for so-called important parts. But now I want to lay out a far better way for you. And then Paul goes to speak um, about uh, love. Um, I love the, uh, the, what the message brings out you know, um, from that. And um, one of the things in Corinth, one of the problems there was, is that, you know, Paul spent about 18 months in the city of Corinth. And um, uh, he would have taught them about who they were in Christ, you know, the inheritance they had. And, you know, they had a good revelation of that. And then Paul said, you know, you've become rich, you have all things. But the one thing that was, was out of skew is they were using their significance for personal gain. Um, but you see, Christ has made us significant. And this morning, you know, if you feel 
like you have no significance, then let me just say to you, you are. You're significant. You are valued. You have worth. And in fact, Jesus came and he sacrificed everything he had so that he could restore you into a family. And, you know, I, I'm number four of, of, uh, of uh, I've got two brothers and a sister. And um, I was a mistake, okay? Um, the, the surgeon got it wrong, apparently. And uh, here I am. And when I was growing up, you know, my brothers would say, oh, Simon, you're a mistake, you know. Never meant to, you know. And I, I, they thought I got spoiled, you know, like the youngest a sibling does. And my mum would come and she'd give me a hug and she'd summon you a miracle. And, um, you know, some people may have said to you, you were a mistake. Maybe you've been hearing, you know, the enemy say you were a mistake. But, you know, God this morning, he's, he wants to come and give you a hug and say, you were a miracle. Because in, um, in, in Ephesians, let me, just, let me just read it. Let's just go um, to Ephesians 1. Okay. Um, Ephesians 1 uh, 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And that word, it says he chose us. In, in the Greek, um, that word chosen comes from two separate words. The first one means out. And the second word means to speak or to call or to order. And so when, when, when God chose you, he said, he said, come out. And, you know, I love that because there's a sense of timing. You know, with God, there is a timing. And, you know, you are here in 2015, almost be 2016, in Ashford. And you are here because God has called you out personally. And never let anybody say to you, never let the enemy uh, make you believe that you are insignificant. You are completely significant to God. And this is something that I love. One of the most powerful um, verses in the Bible is in um, John. When um, he, it's in John 13 and verse 3. And, you know, Jesus knew he was significant. He knew who he was. He knew all things had been given to him. And it says this in uh, John 13, 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So what did he do? So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. You see, out of a place of significance comes service. And, you know, one of the, one of the main values here at Gateway, you know, if you've been here long enough, you'll know it. It's, you know, you're valued for who you are, not what you do. And the problem with the Corinthian church was that they were, they were trying to get a value by what they did. And one of the problems specifically that Paul is speaking to in um, Corinthians 12 is that they were, um, they were uh, making spirituality, they were ordering it. Certain things are more spiritual than others. And there was a competition because, you see, in the Corinthian culture, 
charisma was more important than character. Um, and, you know, uh, style was more important than content. You know, how they expressed themselves. And, you know, what they were trying to do on a Sunday or whenever they gathered was they were trying to show how great they were rather than trying to show how great he is. And Paul is bringing some um, correction here. So the foundational truth that I want to just lay is that we, we are significant because we have been called by the one who is truly significant and he knows us. And we don't need to be significant because of what we do. We already are significant and therefore we can serve. Now, um, let's just go through um, 1 Corinthians 12. Okay, I won't be able to get through all of it today. But I just want to bring out a few, a few points. So, now, about spiritual gifts. I'm reading from the NIV. Um, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, that word spiritual gifts can be translated concerning things of the Spirit. So, Paul is saying, now, I want to talk about things concerning the Spirit. I do not want you to be ignorant. And that word, ignorance, uh, in the Greek... Is, is, is used specifically um, for spiritual things. And the root word for that is, is schemes. So, so uh, Paul is saying, I, I do not want you to be unaware of what is happening in the spiritual realm. Because what you can't see is even more important than what you can see. And the thing is, what was happening in the Corinthian church, and it's all the way through, right from the very first chapter, is there was divisions. There was divisions in, in, in all sorts of ways. And, and Paul is saying, you need to look beyond the natural. You need to understand that we're in a battle. We don't f- fight against flesh and blood, do we? But we fight against what we cannot see in the spiritual places. And so one of the things that um, God wants us to understand is, are we aware of what's happening behind the scenes? Because it's important. What's happening in the world right now? Okay? If, if we just see it as something in the natural and we don't appreciate that actually something is shaking in the spiritual realm, um, then we, we will just try and uh, look at it from a different viewpoint and we will try and answer things from a natural perspective. You know, some of you right now may be going through a trial and you're looking at it from a purely natural perspective. Maybe someone at work is like, just really kind of hates you, and you don't know why. And it may be that you need to look at what's happening in the spiritual realm. Is there something that you need to pray about? Is there something that that is is happening that, that God wants you to know? Because what is more real is what we can't see. Right? The, the world wants to tell us that what we can see is more real than what we can't see. And, you know, this life is a temporary assignment. We're here for, you know, for lucky 80 years, 70, 80 years, and then we're gone in this life. And the enemy wants us to get our attention off of really what is, what is the main thing. What is the main thing? So, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you, when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except 
by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a bit strange. Um, people find this, uh, commentators don't quite know exactly um, what Paul is meaning uh, by this, because um, it's a bit hard to imagine that actually someone in the church service would shout out and say, Jesus is cursed. You know, it's hard to imagine. Um, one of the things that could have been going on here is the, the translation that, that Jesus be cursed actually just says, Jesus cursed. So there's a few different things that, that, that Paul could mean. What could be happening is that actually the Corinthians were, were, um, were actually using the name of Jesus to curse people. Because that's what they would have done when they were pagans. They, they, would have, they would have used curses. And we know actually from archaeology that on tombstones there were um, uh, curses that um, Jesus' name was used for. And Paul is saying, look, you, know, you can't use Jesus' name as a curse. All right? Um, what you need to do is you need to, um, by the Spirit, confess that Jesus is Lord. So that's one thing that Paul could be talking about. Um, but really, this is what I think um, is going on. Paul is saying that, look, when you're pagans, you curse Jesus. And... and and you thought you were spiritual, but you weren't, because you were dead. But when you became a Christian, you said Jesus is Lord, and you believed in your heart, and the Spirit came to live in you. So, what does it mean to be spiritual? It means that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And so often, what we can do, because we live in an X-factor uh, culture, right? We love to put people up on pedestals. Um, and, you know, what they were doing was, they were going, oh, that person's really spiritual. Or this person, he can speak in tongues. He's really spiritual, okay? Uh, or this person can present a message in a way that is really great. That person is, like, ultra-spiritual. But Paul is saying, look, we're all spiritual. We're all spiritual. Because, you know, to say someone, oh, that person is really spiritual, it's crazy. Because we all have the spirit in us. And it's not as though God goes around and says, I'm going to give you just a smaller bit of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give Graham a bigger bit of the Holy Spirit, and you a medium-sized bit of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't. We all have the same measure of the Spirit living in us. And this is the amazing thing, because if you realize that, you know that your potential in Christ is unlimited. That's why nothing is impossible for those who believe. And, um, you know, this is why we're seeing more miracles happen in the church. You know, God is raising our faith levels, he's actually, you know, this isn't for a select few. God wants all of us to be operating in the power of the Spirit. So, um, Paul is laying a foundation. So what does that mean? It means that God is not looking for ability. Okay? He's looking for availability. Are you available? That makes you able. Okay? Are you available? He isn't looking for strength. He's looking for submission. So he knows that if he can get you to submit to the Holy Spirit, then he will make you able. So Paul is laying a foundation. And then he goes on to say this in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them. 
Now, the, uh, this, one of the things that I love to do when I, when I study the Bible, I have, I have like a Greek dictionary. Now, I love to look at what the words mean and, and how often they're mentioned. And, and, and in this particular um, uh, part here, there's a word that is spoken three times here and three times only and nowhere else in the whole of New Testament. And so when that happens, you know, I think, God, why are you saying something is different, something is unique? And that word here is diversity and variety. In, in the NIV, it says there are different kinds of gifts. But you could say there's diversity and variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There's diversity and variety of service, but the same Lord. There are, there's diversity and variety of, of workings, but the same God works in all of them. And, you know, in the Trinity, there is complete unity, right? But there is tremendous diversity and variety. And so often, when we try and be united, okay, what can happen is we can all try and be the same. Okay, uniformity is not the same as unity. Okay, I've got a definition here of uniformity. A state or condition where everything is regular and unvarying. A lack of diversity, especially to the point of boredom. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, I, this is, I'm not being critical, but it's just, I've been into some church services before, and I've just been like, this, this is boring, you know. But, but what God is wanting us to say is that in the same way there is diversity and variety in the Trinity, and it's exciting and it's different, and there's complete unity. There is no uniformity in the Trinity, but there's complete unity. In the same way, the only other place that that is to be expressed is in the, is in the church. Only other place to be expressed. And, it's, and that takes a miracle, right? Because when you have diversity, you have variety, and, it's, and uh, it can get messy, right? You, you can get misunderstood. And um, I've got, I've got a, a video here um, that, that I want to show. And, and this, they haven't seen the, the Great British Menu. See if you watch it, Okay. And, and, and there's a guy on there um, who was on it recently, a guy called Michael O'Hare, okay? And this guy, when I first saw him, I just thought, man, you are weird, okay? And I thought he was a bit pretentious, and I, and I thought he must be a bit arrogant. And, um, but actually, I grew to love him. And, and, and this is in the finals, and he actually won. This dish got to the, um, the, the finals. And um, I wanted to see him. He looks different. I want you to look at the chef, the other chefs. You look at their, you look at their expressions, okay? Because you can tell they're seeing something that is completely different. I love that. Um, it's, just, uh, it's just so great. And, and uh, his restaurant now is fully booked for like the next couple of years. And so there's something, you know, in, in, in that, you know, he was, there's something new, something different that just draws people. And it's like the gospel, you know, it's, it, it's, 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 it's kind of strange, it's, it's, it's different, but there's something compelling about it, I want to I try it. I mean, that dish looked pretty disgusting, right? <laughs> but it, it, apparently it tasted just like fish and chips. Um, but, uh, but within the body, that's what God, you know, when people come in to see us, they want to be like, wow, you know, it's different. How is it that, that you know, you're so different? And uh, I, I can't say that, like, it's the same. And, 
And uh, you know when you go some places, you, uh, you can tell there's a certain style of music or a certain style of preaching or a certain way that people speak to one another. Because, you know, but, but with Gateway, what I love is that I think there's so many different styles. I think there is variety and there is diversity. And I loved um, when uh, we prayed in different languages during the worship. And I just, there was tears in my eyes. And I was just like, God, this is just so, this is just so great. You know, never let anybody uh, put you into a box. Because words, as we know, can kill. Okay. And I believe God wants you to just be you. And that is going to be an amazing witness to the world. Okay. So, verse, um, verse 7 here. Um, Is this now verse seven? Now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Now um, that word "common good" in in the Greek means means to bring together. So so when we meet, the Holy Spirit for each one of us has got something, so that 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 we can be brought together. I love that. God wants to bring us together, and you see. What we learn from this is the Spirit has given you something and it's not for you. Or not just for you. It's for other people. And, you know, the problem with the Corinthian church is they were using their gifts for their own good. Um, they were using it for personal gain. But, you know, have you ever seen uh, an apple tree? I've got an apple here. Okay. Have you ever seen an apple tree that eats its own fruit? Like one day you're walking along and it's full of apples and the next day it's all gone. Where's that gone? It's like, oh, the apple tree ate its own fruit. Oh, okay. Um, But, you know, God wants us to bear fruit so we can actually bless other people. And um, like we said, you know, this life is a temporary assignment. And the enemy will want us to go into our box. But God wants us to express the life that is within us. And... um, that word, common good, there's a w- very similar word in the Hebrew that's, that is in the beginning of Genesis. And I just want to go there, because I think it's going to be helpful to bring out something. In Genesis, in Genesis 1, 27, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's why it was significant, because you're in the image of God. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature. Now, the word there that says subdue so often has been used in a negative um, context. But that word actually means to, to bring together, to bind together. And um, the word fill... In the Hebrew, that word fill means to bring out the full potential and to make beautiful. I just love that. So in the context of family, God said, be fruitful, increase in number, go and make creation beautiful. And, uh, uh, and, and go and make its full potential be realized. And also bring it together. And that word rule means stewardship, and go and be stewards of it. 
And so for us today, the same can be said. The basis of fruitfulness, increase, filling, unity and stewardship in the garden was God working through family. And the same is true today. God working through family. And, you know, God never meant your destiny to be worked without being part of a family. And, you know, I'd encourage you this morning. If you, you know, if you just come, if, you just, if you've been attending here, just enjoying the, the, the presence of God, but, but you know you're not part of a family, then I just encourage you to just, just say to God, I, I want to be part of a family. I want to be part of a family. Because it's God's purpose and plan for your life. Okay, so, I just want to talk a little bit about the gifts of, um, so, availability, not ability. Okay, unity and not uniformity. God working through family and the gifts. Now, I think um, for a lot of us, we we actually um, sometimes struggle with, what is my gifting? Because you can see some people and you're like, well, I know what their gifts are. And you can get frustrated. You know, God, what is my gift? And, you know, I didn't realize this, but, but apparently in the natural, we have five to 700 gifts that we can operate in, which I think is phenomenal. I wouldn't have put it that many. Um, but let me say this. Don't feel bad if you don't know your gifting. Okay? Don't feel bad if you, if you don't know your gifting yet. Okay? Because... It can take time. And um, one of the things that you want to do if you don't know is to ask. Just ask God. Ask God what your gifting is. Now, now let me say this. In Corinthians 12, Paul is going through a list of spiritual gifts. So so the gifts that um, would only be in operation once that the Spirit had come to live in them. Okay, But we have natural gifts too. And, and actually, sometimes it's harder for God to um, use our natural gifts because we will operate in our own strength. So don't think that necessarily the areas of, of, of most fruitfulness is going to be in the areas where you feel strong. Okay? In fact, it's completely normal and completely healthy to operate in your spiritual gifting when you feel weak and you feel like you can't do it. And don't, don't resign yourself. Don't say, no, I'm, that gifting's not for me because you feel weak when you're operating in it. Actually, what you'll find is that might be the area where, where God is going to use you most powerfully. You know, when I'm up here speaking, okay, and I'm preparing for a talk, I feel completely weak. I'd rather not do it. Um, I'd, rather, I'd rather do something that I could operate in my natural strength in. Okay, but God wants us to rely on the spirit that is in us, not on our own natural giftings. Now, our natural giftings, God wants us to submit to him and say, Lord, I recognize this is a natural gifting, but I'm going to submit it to you and use it for your glory. And let the spirit then operate in that natural gifting in your life. So pray. You know, I love this phrase, um, this isn't mine, but this is from somewhere else. Doing what you are called to do attracts what only he can do. Doing what you are called to do attracts what only he can do. Because what you're called to do 
you can't do, so it attracts his presence. If you want to see his presence manifested in your life, go and do what you know you can't do, but you know what he's called you to do. The second one is, so pray, God, what are my giftings? And then don't do nothing, okay? Don't sit there like a lemon, okay? I, I, said, to Rachel, I said to Rachel yesterday, and uh, you know when you say something, you know, and you, just, you wish you had never said it. I said to Rachel, don't sit there like a lemon. Um, anyway, I got in trouble for that. It was like when I said to, uh, I think you made something, I was a rice pudding, and um, I, I said, uh, this is when I first married, so I was still learning. Okay. Still am learning. And I said, it's, it's, it's nice, but, but it's not like my mum's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was the last time I said that, I tell you. I've said similar things. But... So, um, so, but experiments, you know, uh, so don't just sit there like a lemon, okay? Experiment. So when someone says, do you mind helping out with, with this? Okay. I mean, I've asked God for, to reveal to me my giftings. This could be this area. I don't particularly feel like it is, but why not? I'll do the kids' work. I'll go and do teas and coffees. Um, and, and see. So there's nothing wrong with trial and error. Okay? I know it doesn't sound very spiritual, but there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, what happens in the process of trial and error, actually your giftings are, are kind of focused. Be- they become more potent. And then the second one is, well, when you do something, and, and it's, God will give you a passion for it. But for example, you start doing kids' work, and you're not particularly very passionate you know, about kids doing kids' work. You start doing it, and then actually God gives you a heart. You have a passion for it. It's like, I, 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 I want to see a generation rise up for the Lord. I want to see them come to know him and do great things for him. And then you start praying for that. And so, so passion. And then fruit. You know, when you do something, and, 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 and God's got a calling in your life for it, you know, is there fruit? You know, does it kind of work out? doesn't have to be perfect, but, you know, you do something, and actually, yeah, it turned out okay. The kids enjoyed what he did, okay? Other people. You know, so often, you can miss the obvious, but other people will see it. And, you know, it can be obvious to other people what your gifting is, but you haven't asked them. So just ask. So, you know, people you know and you trust and you love and you appreciate, just say, uh, what do you see in me? Because I'm struggling. I, I can't see anything. And, and the, per- the person might say, are you crazy? Didn't you? I thought you knew. It was so obvious. You're great at, at um, singing in the worship. Okay? All right? You, you're great. You know, in Romans, um, we'll have it in the community group notes, but, but in Romans, you know, there's, there's other things as well. Like the gift of encouragement. You know, do you have a gift of encouraging people? Because I'll tell you what, we all need encouragement. And that is a tremendous gift. Um, so others. And this, trials. Some of you right now are going through some, some pretty uncomfortable things. And um, this, this apple that I picked from uh, behind where we work, there's an apple tree. I've got, Rachel will say, when I'm driving along, I've got a thing for fruit trees. I just... I've got one of these um, poles, and it's, at the end of it, it's got a basket, and 
you can, you can pick all the apples. So if you ever see someone with a big pole on an apple tree, it'll be me, probably. But um, the great thing that I love is that most of them have some form of defect in the apple, okay? All right, because they're organic. And um, we now know, okay, that, that um, organic food, it is actually better for you, okay? It is better for you because what actually happens is where, because this isn't sprayed, okay, the, the, the fungus, the bacteria, whatever it is, it will attack the apple, and then what, what does the apple do? Well, it produces what's called phytochemicals, okay, to protect itself from the, from the attack. And so I always go for the apple that looks the worst because I know it's going to be the best thing for me, okay? But, it, but it's like that when we go through trials. You know, if, if we had a Teflon coating... Okay, and, and you know, all the fruit and vegetables you see in the supermarket, it's like perfect. It's too perfect, isn't it? Because what they haven't got, they haven't produced the potent chemicals that actually help to protect them. And in our lives, when we go through trials, and okay, we're bruised, we can see there's marks on our body, but something is developed in us, a potency that, that refines us and actually makes us m- more powerful for God to use. And, and, and trials can be a way of, of God um, helping to make it clear, actually, what our gifts are, where our strengths and weaknesses are. When you go through a trial, you, you know what you're weak in, and you, and, you know, and you know what you're strong in as well. So um, those are some of the things that um, uh, is just useful to um, see what, what our giftings are. And um, one of the things to say is, you know, don't, don't neglect the gift that God's given you, okay? And um, if you have a gift, th- then, then develop it. You know, find out about it, study it, pray. Ask other people who have a similar gifting. Don't, don't fear the gifts, okay? You know, fear will, will stop us from operating in the gifts. And the big one is don't, com- don't compare yourself to someone else. You know, and uh, this is the problem with I was speaking to, 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 the, to, the, to the youth, you know, the youth um, a few weeks ago. And, you know, social media now, you know, Facebook. I mean, how often, if you use Facebook, do you go on it and, and you look? He's on holiday, they're on holiday, they've just got a brand new car, they've just moved into a huge house. And, and you're like, I haven't got any of those things. And you're comparing yourself. And the same can be true in, in the church. You know, we can look at somebody and, and we can think, well, I'm not quite like them. But God doesn't want you to be like them, as we saw in the video. Be, be unique. Be like you. Um, so, as we go through, and um, I'm just going to finish up now, is um, Corinthians 12. 12, 12. Okay. Okay. So the body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. We are all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the same spirit to drink. Paul now is using the body as explaining the way that the church is to work. And it wasn't unusual in ancient culture for people to use the, the body like that. The thing is, Paul is flipping it on its head because traditionally, 
the body would have been used as, a, as a, uh, an example of why there should be superiority. The head is superior to the feet. Um, but actually, Paul is saying, he's flipping on his head. No, no, you, you don't understand. The bits you can't see, they're more important than the bits you can see. Like in the message, you know, you think you can do that a stomach? I'd rather have a stomach than have an eye, okay? Because the stomach is essential. So this is the thing, though. In the body, you won't always be able to do what you want, right? The hand can't go, I'm doing this. No, no, I'm doing this, okay? God wants us to be united. So you won't always be able to do what you want. And that might be frustrating, especially if you know God's called you and you have a destiny on your life, and you're like, yeah, but I want, to do, I want to do this, and I want to do it in the next year, and if not, then that's it, I'm leaving. But like we said, God never meant your destiny to be worked out without being in a family. And so there will be tension. And um, this is the thing. Although you can't always do what you want when you want to do it, you will always be able to do more than what you wanted. You, will not be able, you, you won't always be able to do what you want but you'll be able to do more than what you wanted. It's only possible with being in the family. It's called laying down your life for one another. So unity. Diversity. I mean, we've spoken about that. You know, life would be so much easier sometimes if we were all the same. Okay? Hey, marriage. I'm not going to say anything. I won't get in trouble. But hey, you know, marriage, if, if, we, if we were always on the same wavelength and we did things in the same way, I mean, it would just be so much easier, wouldn't it? A lot less arguments. But, you know, that's not, that's not na- the nature of God, okay? There is diversity. And um, life would be easier, but it would be a lot less fun. It would be a lot less exciting, okay? And so God's nature is that diversity and variety. Interdependence, okay? And uh, verse 18... But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. You know, you will not change the world. You will not change the world. You singularly will not change the world. But you, as in we, we will change the world. And um, often when we look in scripture, you know, when you look at the word you, think about the body. Don't just think about me, okay? You will not change the world, but you will change the world. You need to be part of a family. And um, he wants you to be part of the body. And, you know, we were created to be deficient. We were created to be deficient. And this is the thing, deficiency leads to dependence or interdependence. And that's healthy. That's normal, okay? And you know, one of the problems I have, you know, um, you know we, we, we run our own business, is that um, you end up doing everything, okay? And, and, you know, I have to be careful. And what we're, we're trying to do with our business is to create a team that, that takes the stress off. Because if you, if you leave everything... Um, to you, if you take all the stress on yourself, it will find a way of, of just breaking you apart. And so maybe there are, there are some of you here and you've been just taking on too much. You've been taking it all on. And, and you can feel your body is just starting to kind of break at the seams. 
And I know what that's like. Then it affects you physically. You get physically ill. Emotionally, you just shut down. Then it affects your relationships. So God wants us to be interdependent so we can rely on one another. And the last one, worth. You know, it's the weak parts that are actually the strong parts. And if you think that what you do in the body is insignificant, first of all, you know now you're significant, not because of what you do, but because of who's called you. But actually what you do, as it says here, is indispensable to the outworkings of God's purposes in this town, in our nation, in the world. And when we meet God face to face, as each one of us will, he's not going to say, how did you do compared to him or her? He's not going to say that, is he? He's going to say, were you, were you faithful and obedient to the assignment that, that I had for you? Were you faithful and obedient to the assignment that, that I placed on you? That, that's what he's going to ask. And if you, if you say yes, what's the reward? Well done. Good and faithful servant. Well done. Good and faithful servant. No matter who you are, what God calls you to do, okay, if you're faithful to that, it's the same reward. Well done. Good and faithful servant. And there are some of you here, maybe, that are possibly a bit resentful that, that they haven't outworked their giftings in the way that, that they thought it would be or happen. Okay? And, and it, may, it may do, but you know, God may have different plans for you. And so often we can think, this is the way that God is going to outwork my gifting in my life. But God says, it's not going to be like that. Okay? Because when we hit the sweet spot, with God, it's going to give us complete joy and satisfaction. If we try and do something in our own strength, we try and make something happen, then it's not going to give that joy. If you want joy, then, then, then let God use you in the way that you were designed to be. And we are the body of Christ. This is what Paul says. We're not like a body, okay, He's using an example of the body, but then he says, now you, you, we are the body of Christ. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. We are, we are the body. On this, on this earth, if people want to see Jesus in its completeness, they see us. They see us. We are the body of Christ. You are not the body of Christ, but you are the body of Christ. And this is why when Jesus said and he prayed, you know, I prayed that, that you are one so that the world will know that you are my disciples. And it's great, you know, being able to pray um, for, for Barbara's son's, you know, friend. That, there's the, 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 they will know that actually there is a unity. You know, when Ian had a problem in, the, in, the, in his kitchen... Um, it was like there was like a swarm of ants that just came down, and, and you were able to sort of give a witness of sort of that's the church, that's the church coming to help because we're a body, we're one, we, we're unified, and 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 that is just a tremendous 
way to preach the gospel. Okay? It's a tremendous way to preach the gospel. And um, I would just like to, um, just to pray now, just to let God, um, what, when you finish, is it? Okay. Okay. Um, if we can, um, is it okay to pray? Yeah. Okay. Uh, if we can just stand, um, is it okay to have maybe just a, just a bit of music or something? Is that okay? I just want to pray for you this morning, if, if, if that's you, if you feel like you have a lack of worth and insignificance. I just want to pray that, that God will just impart to you that sense of being a son. And if, that, if there's anyone here who, who has, has felt that lack of worth, lack of significance, lack of value... Could you just, just, just lift your hands up to God? Just lift your hands up to Him. I want to pray for us as well that God will fan into flame the gifts that are within us. Father, I pray that you will just awaken in a fresh way, Lord, the gifts that you have placed on us. Just receive right now from God's Spirit. And if you have been coming along to Gateway, or you've come for the first time and, and you know you're not part of a body, a family, then just make that decision with God. Just say, God, I want to be part of a family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what it takes. It might be inconvenient. It might be a disruption. But I'm going to do what it takes to be part of a family. And maybe there's some people here who who they've been using their gifts, but they've been using it for your own personal gain. So Father, Lord, would you just forgive, forgive me, Lord, when I use what you have given me just for, just for me. Lord, I know that there is a world out there that needs your life. And Father, I choose today, in a, in a, in a fresh power, Lord, to just go out, and use what you have given me for your glory. And I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it all down right now. Lord, I'm going to choose to follow you in this family so that your body will be seen and expressed in this world.